Welcome everybody back to the podcast, Who Am I? Uh, today, Stephen, my co-host and I uh, want to talk about the topic of death, um, not in a macabre way necessarily. We just thought it's interesting to dive into the psychology of people and how death actually plays a role in everyday life. Uh, mainly on a subconscious level though. And so we want to make more conscious what is going on inside ourselves when we um, think about death in general. I'll, I'll give you an example. So uh, from what I hear um, and from what I've he heard from mm, Chinese friends my age, they are a lot more respectful in the way they treat their elders and talk about them. And we in the West, I, I'm not sure why, but we don't treat them so well. Maybe it's, again, this, this thing about they're not as useful <laughs> as other people in society because they don't perform the same kind of work. I don't know, yes. that's just a theory. Yeah. Maybe, and, and this other theory has to do with death, and that is they remind us of our own mortality. And, and everything having to do with death, like cemeteries, or um, injuries, or uh, General, hospitals. Yeah, or an accident on the road. You know, people gawking. They can't look away. <laughs> some some yeah. of them might even cause their own accident because they're so distracted by watching an accident while they're driving themselves. Um, just gives us that feeling of and ickiness, and just reminds us that that could be us. Maybe we project ourselves into that position. What do you think about that? Well, it's, um, to me, it's fear, isn't it? It's um, we, when we talked about it briefly uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I think our uh, society has just been bombarded with fears. We don't hope for things the same way that, in my opinion, we should. We just get afraid of, and the biggest fear that most people have, and the biggest anxiety is to not exist. You know, mm -hmm. well, a lot of people have, not everyone, but most people have, is death because it's unknown. And again, we talked about before with anything that's unknown or different, we tend to fear. And, you know, it's been like, I think that's why in the West, we have somehow, again, over centuries, millennia, just let fear slip in bit by bit so that we can then, yeah, we literally, we literally sideline our elderly. It's bizarre, like, how again put in a care home and then visit once a week or once every two weeks or whatever maybe every day but yeah depending on the person. i don't want to think about it anymore just yeah outsource um, it yeah. yeah and and i get that for some things because i mean there's some things linked to death beyond death that are horrific like again cancer being like the, the, the deterioration the deteriorate yeah. that word deterioration deterioration mm -hmm. yeah the process leading up to death yeah can be um, grueling yeah yeah like um dementia and alzheimer's is a horrific one where to see those things requires a level of acceptance that i don't think we get trained to have like seeing a loved one fade away in such a horrible way is heartbreaking um both again fear of ourselves having to go through that in the future and also fear just the loss of that person and not just their death but again also that process um i mean have you thought much about it at all i guess like again that process like because i have like i i, I would want to I, I i wish euthanasia was a thing i wish that mm. you know if i got to like 60 or 70 and was told um you know, you're starting to get dementia and Alzheimer's. It's going to be a long process. You're going to have to go through, but you're not going to remember, and it's going to be real difficult for your family and whatever. I'd just be like, well, I've had a great life. Let me just pass now. I don't understand why there's yeah. this need to hold. It's again, it's a contradiction. This need to hold on to life, but also fear and run away from it when we get to that point. Okay. Yeah, you've prompted lots of different topics there that we Sorry. can get into. Okay. Um, yeah. Let me just say what what it spurred in me um i believe the fear of the unknown is or at least has to do with the fear of losing control 
um, we don't have all that much control over ourselves and our, you know, what happens to us in this life. But we try our very best to have as much control as possible because we just like being the person who uh, decides what happens, even though that's yeah. not always the best, you know, that's the whole other topic that, that we can discuss. Um, is it best to be to always be in control? Um, and then how far should that control reach? Because obviously you're, it impacts other people sooner or later. Yeah. Um, but we, when we don't know about something such as what happens after death, or just what is the reason for my flat burning down, or or just something that surprises us that is that happened outside of our plan for what was supposed to happen, we assume the worst. Um, and that again could be an evolutionary thing just to cope. Um, you know, to use our um, our hind brain, our, our lizard brain, to yeah. to quickly find an escape. But obviously, that's not always the most productive uh, in the long run, and will keep us from being in uh, in a balance with what we want, what we need, and, and the same for other people. So that that is a, a stress situation, and and we shouldn't be in it for very long. But when I when I think of my grandmother in the weeks before she died, um, so she was the the, the last grandparent um, of of my four grandparents to die. Um, in her last weeks, she became more and more fearful. Um, she wasn't so sure anymore if she would go to heaven uh, or someplace else. And I was just reminded of these details because I recently finished reading and, and proofreading. Uh, a book that my little sister wrote after having recorded lots of interviews with her. Um, so this has been a project in the pipeline for several years and I just finished reading it. And so reading about those fears towards the end reminded me, yeah, I, I remember seeing a bit of that in her. I didn't spend too much time with her towards the end, but she was hallucinating. Um, she was falling more often, I think. And yeah. when she when she had a nap, I I was able to uh, observe how her eyes flickered a lot. You know, yeah. you have you have that anyway with um, rapid eye movement, but there was a lot more tension going on in her face, like also with the with the mouth. Yeah, and I believe it's because the older you get, it can also be in other states of injury, I guess. But the older you get, the less control you have over your your subconscious. I believe that in in our youth, we're a lot better at suppressing our fears. You know, children especially are able to just suppress it and it comes back 20 years later and you have no idea why or where from. But old people, I think, will then have to confront it because yeah. they no longer have that compartmentalization that we use a lot of energy of every day to employ. That is interesting. I never really thought of it like that. Like again, the subconscious being unable to just say compartmentalize it because I've always again noticed that in, in older people that they do always seem just more fearful in general, like when they get older about a few things. And um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, another reason for that, that that my mother told me about just recently is that uh, she doesn't like the loss of self-sufficiency uh, so um every time technology changes you know your new car no longer has a cd drive it it uh, yeah. probably only comes with a usb uh, port and yes she has a smartphone and will be able to connect it but she'll have to learn how and that takes a lot more effort than it used to it, yeah i've again talked about that recently actually um to do with um learning new perspectives and being more open to i guess the modern world for even i struggle and i was part of that generation that had all the high-tech stuff come in but the older generation beyond me and us like they're trying to adapt these things and some do it amazingly some do it, again it's the tech generation a lot of again they talk about them having seen sci-fi movies or read books and stuff and now it's come to be 
so they kind of like love that but most yeah most um the other generation really struggle to adapt to again new technology or new perspectives because it just yeah your brain just doesn't work the same way it's not as sharp and so it takes more time and energy and effort and they're already struggling to keep up anyway <laughs> a lot of the time um so yeah so, so I, I i think that subconsciously we're constantly reminded of death whenever we see old people and yes. now in the last one and a half years i think that's intensified drastically because when i am on the sidewalk and someone is coming across you know i mean someone is coming is heading my way and this is especially the case when it's a young mother with a baby in a in a uh, pram i feel like or i try to imagine what she thinks about this encounter <laughs> it's just people passing each other that used to be the most yeah. normal thing but now it's you are walking death and my child might die because of you you know i might die because of you that's the fear that a lot of people have but when it's children it's, i think it's even more the case and so i will you know move off the pavement or, or just yeah. try to be respectful by by keeping that distance even though i'm skeptical of this and i don't think it's healthy anyway to think that death is everywhere and everyone is carrying it but i yeah. think uh, have you observed any behavior like that in yourself I've, or others i i personally have not but i think maybe it again conscious subconscious i think again if you've got mother and child then there'll always be a slightly uh tension or something in case you know you are somebody violent or whatever or mm -hmm. yeah who knows uh, um but no I, I, I mean i'll be honest i can't say i've really thought about that i kind of just only until i've put in a situation where somebody's being hostile mm -hmm. that i that do i think that maybe um start thinking about death or something. I mean, I had an incident actually, this not to do with hostility, but to do with mortality, mm -hmm. um, kind of side tangent a bit, where I was driving this weekend, I rented the car out for the weekend, driving through England country roads, um, every, like a massive long line of people behind a slower lorry doing 50 instead of 60 or whatever, you know, people get a bit frustrated, um, get to a blind corner and these two cars just race past like 10, like mm -hmm. overtake 10 of us mm -hmm. and by the time they get towards me i'm on that corner so any car coming from the other direction if they're gonna hit if it's there and they'll they'll hit it and they'll hit me and mm -hmm. I, I i saw this i was like we're timing this if a car is coming on that corner you're gonna hit it and i went i literally was like oh well i've lived a good life if this happens oh well like literally just it'll again time to slow, slow down a bit i was just like well, cool. Um, and then we got around the corner and lucky nothing was coming. But if something had been coming at 50 or 60, boom, that'd be it. And it was just bizarre to think that someone could be so reckless to, they had no idea what was around that corner. They had yeah. not a clue. Um, and so, yeah, I, again, a bit of um, mortality thinking where it was just like, oh, well. And I'm kind of that point in my life where, yeah, I, I, um, I guess getting into a bit of a tangent here, but personal stuff where, from a young age, I've had an impulse to end my life. You know, that's mm. that's the thing, you know, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, mm -hmm. uh, behaviors that have kicked in. Um, and now later in life, having processed a lot of that inner compulsion, um, I don't fear it. I don't have that fear um, that a lot of people do. And maybe it'll change if, I, if something happened to me where I did get a disease or if I was close to death, maybe it would completely change. And, but I, again, control, we talked about control earlier. I can't control it. Like I can't control death. If it comes for me now, cool, whatever. If it comes for me in 50 years, whatever. Like yeah. if I'm worrying about it, I'm just wasting energy uh, on worrying about it and fear and anxiety. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it sounds pretty healthy um, how you've been able to deal with the topic. And yeah, I was about to ask you, what work did you need to put in to get to that point? Because most people, like I said, assume the worst. 
and don't want to even think about the topic, but you've had to, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, trigger warning for anyone that's struggled with stuff before. If it's going to bring up memories and stuff that you can't deal with, feel free to pause and come back in a bit. But um, I, when I became at my worst suicidal place, I was very close to death, like in the sense that I um, did things that put me in hospital and um, like could have led to mm. my death. And so I feel, I actually personally feel, even though I haven't, my heart never stopped at any point and I haven't died, I feel like I have died and been reborn or re um, able to assess my relationship with that um, because I've been through that crisis point. A and near-death actually, experience? Could you call it? Kind no. of, kind of, but not really. Like, okay. um, I guess I gave up on my mortality. Maybe it's more like a psychological thing where I gave up mm. on mortality and was willing to accept that death. Like, I, I at that point, actually wanted to, I wanted to die mm-hmm. um, and therefore had got to that point so dramatically um, and so intensely that when I came through the other side of it, I was actually, you know what, actually, and learned to love life again and learned to experience things almost anew and appreciate things. And, and long-term, because often, it happens often with people who do attempt uh, suicide, that they get a sort of a pre-attempt buzz. Like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I, I, I made that choice. I can move through it now and carry on. And then within a few weeks, repeating the same things because I've had a lust for life for a little while because I've been close to that experience and then it kind of fades off and then they get depressed again and the cycle continues. That did happen a few times in the past for me but step by step over the years you know since about 2015 uh, just been building up upon and looking at again from a child's perspective because a lot of it has to do with um, a lot of it has to do with time our perspective on time and our um, perspective on what comes next um i just don't think about it i've been through it so much that i just now i'm like okay whatever it's i it's not like a denial thing it's just uh, again I, I think feel like it's an acceptance thing yeah you've become resilient right because you've been through worse yeah yeah That's pretty much it um i don't know much about suicide um, and i can't say i've ever been suicidal um is 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 there a pattern to it do do people believe that there's so bad that the world would be better off without them or is it like giving up on life and like there's nothing worth living for and stuff like that all of the above and it varies mm-hmm. from person to person again um again whether it's psychological genetics psychological or environmental like things that got so bad in your life that you just can't continue there's again a lot of variables um but yeah you just you 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 do just sometimes you feel like yeah there will be a better place without you um and it's just again it's in your it's part of your being you just tell your brain or your psyche tells you these things and when you do come back from that edge to death whether it's physical or more in your mind is is that liberating because you've exposed yourself to your biggest fear and now you've survived it and now you know it's not as real as you imagined is it like a exposure therapy potentially in a way maybe i, I was never really i don't think i've ever really been fearful of it anyway uh-huh. um so suicide is not necessarily the same as fear of death yeah, like it, it, yeah, it would vary from person to person. Yeah, um, I think. Um, but I think again, I think a lot of it has come from my. It probably doesn't even relate to death, and maybe even the suicide. It relates to accepting circumstance. So, like mm-hmm. um, getting rid of that desire for control over things. It's probably more. It's probably a bit of both. A bit of exposure to those things um, have helped me kind of process it over the from the age of like twelve onwards. Um, that's many years to actually do that and then you know the last five years where I have gained a lot of um, ability to just be like Hakuna Matata like mm-hmm. you know quite the Lion King of all things 
where, yeah, like, whatever happens, happens. Because I've yeah. learned that if I, if I stress about it, it's just going to cause more trouble. Yeah, and, you know, a, I try to, yeah, go on. It's a great outcome for you. Um, yeah, I think, I imagine um, mentally ill people, um, especially suicidal people, will, will go through a long phase of confusion about what is real and what isn't and, and what is necessary and and how does free will work because you're compelled like you said to do or think lots of these different things but if you do manage to come out of it i, I imagine you have a, a much healthier and stronger perspective and see what what actually matters in life and and it's great when when you're able to say that oh it doesn't matter if my finances aren't going great or if I get uh, physically sick, or if everybody hates me, suddenly it, it doesn't phase you as much, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky that again, I'm in a country that has benefits for my health stuff. Mm -hmm. So that financially, I have the bare minimum of food, shelter, warm shower, and to me, these are luxuries now. These are like these are things are luxuries. They're they're not just they're not just um, uh, they're not actually just necessities. To me, I, the perspective has shifted. Um, but you know, for a lot of people, and it took it took you know it took five plus years for eventually to be able to find the help that I needed. But not everyone gets it. There's a lot of people that in this country as well who I know. I mean, to be fair, the help I get is meant for my mental and my physical health because of chronic fatigue and mm -hmm. you know not being able to have the energy to work and stuff. So if it, strangely, when it was I say just, but when it was the depression and the suicide. I actually had adapted and worked and was able to cope um, myself and support myself. Um, some people can't, but um, I was lucky to be able to. And it wasn't until again the physical health kicked in that it changed everything. Mm -hmm. So again, it's all circumstance and all to individuals. I've been very lucky that I can sort of empathize and have lots of friends that I can chat with and listen to when they're struggling, like um, when their fears, because you know, they don't want to die. They don't want to have, you know, uh, um, a good, happy life. So, you know, that's kind of, I guess, beneficial to them that I've been through the experience that I have and able to support in some way. And I think that's, um, again, potentially beneficial for, would be beneficial for the elder generation. Like, again, moving on a little bit from the, what we've just been talking about, the suicide and the, that death side, side of things, death, is going back to elderly people because it's so lonely for them. Like a lot of elderly people, again, in our society, get put into a care home or whatever, and they're alone. They, they don't have the, they miss their families or their uh, friends, because a lot of their friends have passed away. You know, that tends to happen. Um, and so I think, we could do much better. We could do much better in just, you know, not being afraid as a society and actually sweeping under the carpet. And you see yeah. some really cool videos about people who, um, like younger people going and going to care homes and stuff and playing board games or just playing things. And you see the happiness that occurs in um, the other generation. We should have a happiness index instead of a GDP, like yes. some some Asian country has that as as their main focus. But we're so mechanized and industrialized that we forget the value of those connections, human connections. I, I want to get back to this thought that kind of combines all, all of the other topics here, the old age and and uh, mental illness, and that is, um, I believe, inside of every one of us is a fear of death. Uh, subconsciously, even when we seem to be fine and able to do our jobs and have healthy relationships. Uh, I think that this comes from the time that we were very small, just uh, infants, because we come into a, a, this life with a body that is frail and, you know, when when you see someone struggling who are you more likely to help the the baby or the child first right because they're more vulnerable and and also i guess because they have more 
life to live uh, ahead of them. And so small children need protection. They can't take care of themselves. And this begins, the becoming conscious of this begins at a, at a very young age and gives us a sense of threat and danger. At least I've been able to discover that inside of myself, you know, digging into my psyche. And I, I'm guessing that everyone has that in them to, to some degree. Uh, and it, you don't even have to grow up in a, uh, you know, bad circumstances, you know, a broken home or a, an oh, abuse, yeah. a, abusive uh, family uh, situation. I think it affects everyone because we're all mortal and that mortality is something that you're confronted with starting at a very early age. Um, obviously later on again and again, like in that traffic situation you mentioned, but is this something you've ever uh, noticed in yourself or in others, how the there may be this this underlying fear of death that could be the fear of fears you know they're the cause for all other fears because at least i'm able to logically rationally reduce a lot of the fears i have and in the situations where i start to lose control over my calmness and and being able to handle something rationally um i, I can I can connect it back to the fear of death. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example <laughs> if that helps. Well, that's, um, that's, that's, my brain just go for it. Sorry, go for it. Okay, my boss just told me what to do. I have to do it, even though it doesn't really make sense. But it's it's not that I'm afraid he'll he'll yell at me. But it's um well, it could be yelling, but it's also firing. Uh, he could fire me, and if I lose my job, I lose my income. And I can't go shopping and I can't eat, then I'll deteriorate and I'll die. Yeah. Okay. Just as, as one example. That's good. We're back to engineering that. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, the root of it all is, is comes back to that. Um, yeah, because my brain went down a different line, so I'm trying to keep it more focused. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're probably actually right about that. It's not, it's not something that I've actually really thought about in terms of all fears. Can just be brought back to the fear of death because it just links back that's really cool i like that um when, when i enter the, the shop i go to weekly there's a man pretty close to the entrance just standing there looking towards the entrance you know he's on the inside wearing a mask and he's not buff he's not necessarily oh, yeah. a security worker but it's always a man yeah. and he's doing nothing except looking that way uh he's not on his phone and he doesn't have a stern expression or anything, but he has the effect that he needs to. And that is, he represents an authority figure. He is yeah. the law. He is there to enforce the law. Um, yeah. And if I don't wear my mask, then I, I don't know what happens. I've never tried it in this particular shop. Yeah. I did try it at my local uh, kebab place because they seem to be more uh, easygoing, but then as I was leaving, the one guy said to me, next time, please wear a mask. Okay, okay. Yeah. So they do care, okay. <laughs> and I guess even if they personally don't care, they have to, because yeah. they're again, watched by the police or, you know, police don't have a camera there, but someone might snitch. And then the police comes and put them out of business and then they will die <laughs> because they yeah. can't support themselves. So we have, we're, we're born into the system where there's always an authority figure in the family. It's usually the father. Then yep. it, in school, it's the teacher. Then at university, it's not so much a school setting anymore. You do kind of have professors, but it's more you're responsible to get things going and to get good grades yourself. Um, but then at work, you have an employer yeah. and you have to keep him happy. Otherwise, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, again the process and yeah, i think uh, people are much more motivated by avoiding negative things than achieving positive things i think uh, that's so yeah. sad yeah it's very sad and again that's the again that's the attitude towards again mortality is, is it a positive attitude or is it a negative because you think of funerals and some funerals can be a very respectful grieving only mm -hmm. um somber very somber 
and other ones can be rainbow colors and celebration yeah. of life and happiness and sadness still for the loss of the person yeah. but accepting that that was going to happen no matter what anyway so at some point um so putting the spin on it and being actually because that's what i would want again let's talk about that let's talk about you know um i would want i wouldn't want what also happens with death is an over glorification of the individual mm -hmm. so like in death they don't speak ill of the death things. yeah i'm like i don't want that i want i want i want the full spectrum i want me me as steven to be yeah. talked about that he like and all the stupid things I've done, and because it's funny to me, it's funny for me. I'm just like, wow, like this is amazing. All the I would want all my laundry, bad laundry they call it all day, laundry whatever, <laughs> on display because that's me. I wouldn't want a false version of me to be mourned over. Um, so I'd want all the talk about rainbow unicorns and that kind of stuff. I want, I'd want, I want the. He loved sports and like he was obsessed with that at one point and it, you know it led to illness and stuff and how that changed him i'd want um you know talk of um like how you know i can be selfish at times it can be um egotistical and um overstretch my uh confidence into arrogance these days because again i've changed from being quite a timid person to being a very outspoken person you know I want all that talked about and just laughed about and um, I think that it's very easy at funerals to yeah stay clear of those things to make you feel uncomfortable again um, you have to be kind and nice and it's like yeah I want all those things too but <laughs> like I want a bouncy castle at my funeral I want people to go and like I want people to go and like jump around and have fun what about you just again, that's just me. Um, you, you remind me of Louis C.K. He, I, I respect him in many ways. He, um, you know, he's known for some terrible things that he's done, but I still love some of his material as a comedian because it challenges the the narratives that we have in our society, in our culture, and he makes a lot of people uncomfortable with what he talks about. Are you familiar with his stuff? No. No. But he's a he's an American Mexican comedian, and he will just break taboos left and right. But he also makes people aware. He he's also smart. He also um, is a bit like Dave Chappelle that he he hides some some wisdoms yeah. in his jokes. Yeah. And so just to give you an example, <laughs> and maybe again sensitive people should take this as a trigger warning <laughs> to um, skip the next minute. But he says like. You know how child rapists, they just don't stop after doing it once or twice. They just keep doing it, even though they know that they could be, get arrested or executed or, you know, just there could be dire consequences for them. But they must love what they do so much that they keep doing it. <laughs> they must be so passionate for it. And, and that's something that, that spurred a whole debate on yeah. American television, where people just kept asking each other, you think it was okay for him to say that? <laughs> because it, it it triggers feelings of disgust and yeah. hatred, and I don't know what else, but I think he he's doing us a service by making us aware of these underlying processes and just fears, and just why is it taboo to even think of that, to even bring it up? Yeah. And, and obviously and that more, and that's not always good that's not yeah. always healthy and, but yeah and think more about what's going on because again this individual who is doing some horrific things is still doing it despite the fear of death like they actually will keep doing the horrific thing that they want to do even though the consequences are jail or death yeah. so Make people think about it more and think okay so why is this the case is there more to this than just evil like it is right. evil but actually is he a product of society again frankenstein mentality where is it because he's been neglected or she they've been neglected by society abused as a child blah blah, blah. how much are is there a way to actually help them and obviously the victim should always come first when it comes to help like the perpetrator should always just be like left to the last in my opinion um, because it, once it's happened, obviously. Um, but is there a way that we can actually help these people who do these horrific things figure out what's gone on 
and yeah so through comedy it's a great way to explore that yeah um, but we'll automatically just go into their little okay no we can't think about this we can't talk about this again like death they just we can't talk about these things um because they're taboo or whatever exactly uh, so it, yeah that's exactly the point that he's trying to make let's discuss how some people in our society are so damaged hurt or ill that they will keep repeating an, an atrocity even though it's super dangerous and risky for them but no people prefer to shoot the messenger you know yeah. people will torture and and um, hide julian assange rather than dealing with the content of his message they will just try to abandon the messenger and that is what most people do with most uncomfortable things we suppress the, the signal yeah I, I had a discussion with my parents a few days ago and often with people is that again like you talked about the root of most of the anxiety about anxiety of death comes or anxiety in, um, in general yeah. our lives um comes from the can be traced back to death is that also the majority of choices we'll make will always be the easiest one or perceived mm -hmm. easiest one short term yeah. so like a river flows to the ocean it will find the easiest path it yeah. avoids resistance human beings are exactly the same we avoid resistance um subconsciously unless we learn and practice to um confront the conflicts and the difficulties and that's when short term it's more painful if we confront it but long term it solves problems um but short term we're just yeah we're obsessed with again the easy path through fear or through anything whatever um and avoiding things and it causes so many issues it's, it's what you know it's how my anxiety developed into a isolation thing where i couldn't leave the house because i wasn't resisting against it. i was following the easy path and we talk about exposure therapy and that kind of thing well that's that's important for everything in society i think yeah yeah you're getting to a more positive perspective on the topic let's let's talk about solutions um yeah yes it can be frustrating to have to deal with anxieties and everybody has them to some degree you know you officially I think you're mentally ill once you're not able to um, support yourself anymore. Um, or... I have a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To do with this, so what I kind of wanted to at some point ask, and it's coming to my head now, is would you, and it kind of kind of relates, is would you want to live forever? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the, I mean, we talked about it before, like in a, like just our own chatting. Um, but I think it's a good thing to focus on just now as we link towards the positives and, you know, around mortality. Yeah, no, th this is a good time to uh, insert that clip with yes, Neil, Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson and um, Larry King. King. Thank you. Yeah. If you could live forever, would you? Yes. <laughs> okay. We're well, done we're the interview. This <laughs> yes. Uh, no, okay, sure. That's an attractive idea. But the way I look at it is it is the knowledge that I'm going to die that creates the focus that I bring to being alive. The urgency of accomplishment, the need to express love now, not later. If we live forever, why ever even get out of bed in the morning? Because you always have tomorrow. That's not the kind of life I want to lead. But why don't you fear not being around? I fear living a life where I could have accomplished something and didn't. That's what I fear. I, I don't fear death. You don't fear the unknown? I love the unknown. I, 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 I love the, you know what I want on my tombstone? My sister has this in her, in her notes, because in case I can't tell anyone after I die. On my tombstone, a quote from Horace Mann, great educator. Be ashamed to die until you have scored some victory for humanity. I think it's funny that, that Larry King straight away says, yes, I would want to live forever. And he is, I don't know, over 80 at least. Yeah. 
and I, I don't know him that well. I don't know how he comes to that decision. Uh, maybe it is fear. Um, I would assume it's fear rather than, oh, there's still so much I want to do. Because like we said, you're, you become frail and weak. It's, it's, it's if you don't like again like i can i can actually answer the question the same way he does uh -huh. um but i'll let you describe your side of things first well i i love that that i stumbled onto that clip because neil degrasse tyson pretty much says exactly how how i see it the the possibility for life to end gives life more value it's like when you become sick you value your health more when a friend moves away you value your friendship more you know, just the, the, it's not the fear of loss that makes more value valuable, but just the possibility of loss makes you savor and, and value the moments before that more. It's that, it's that time we have such a rel relatively short time on this earth in our mortality or whatever, again. Um, and we, you know, you, you watch some sci-fi uh, programs or like that talk about beings that live for thousands of years or even again elves in fantasy and how again they take things much much slowly much more slower mm -hmm. slowly. um and they tend to kind of achieve achieve less spikes in development so they'll kind of like gradually just kind of plateau in a way um because they're content and they're happy um in that scenario but in terms of, I guess, maybe scientific or philosophical, I don't know, development, they won't take the same level of just like, boom, because humanity, our mortality is so short. It's such, a, it's so short. It's crazy when you think about it. Like a tree lasts longer than we do in terms of as, as individuals. Like, yeah. And that gives people that, as you talk about that, um, Kind of like Ur a lust for life, a passion for life. An urgency. Urgency, yeah, to what, accomplish. What makes us think that it's short? Is it that there's so much we would like to accomplish, but there's not, doesn't seem to be enough time for it? I guess it's comparison, isn't it? Again, like I just made the tree with universe, more with we understand space and time and how big it is. I guess we, we start to feel a bit smaller <laughs> in a way yeah. and therefore because again I look at like I, I use the comparison of an ant a tree and a sun and I think I've talked about this before many times already it's probably going to be repetitive and boring for everyone but um, you know an ant lives for a short period of time does its thing we as humans live for our thing tree lives for like a hundred years sun lives for you know thousands hundreds of thousands of years whatever millions and we as humans, are, our, our perspectives are kind of like ants. Mm -hmm. We just we scuttle around trying to achieve our things. And I think sometimes it'd be better for us, I think, to have a perspective of time more as like a tree, as in like we live or we um, perceive time that way, I guess, as a tree would. Like steady, slowly, just plodding on. Um, and then if we get to the sun perspective, then it's like we don't, may not have the same passion, but we learn to accept that things go on, I guess. I don't know. Einstein yeah. told us that time is relative. Um, yeah. So, uh, that, I mean, that's not exactly the, the relativity you were talking about with, with different species of perceiving time differently and experiencing the world differently. But Einstein was also able to make things more um, understandable. Uh, he said, um, time is relative. When you're talking to a beautiful girl, time passes a lot faster than <laughs> when you're talking to someone else. So, yeah, it's it's not just what is your biological makeup, um, but also what are you doing with your time. There there are people who experience and achieve so much more in the same amount of years than I do, that I'm jealous oh. of them. Oh yeah, likewise. Yeah. But I think it's not healthy to compare myself because I'm still. Like we, we keep saying every life has value, um, even if they're not valuable right. or useful to some modern industrialistic um, metric, because what we experience and the, the process that we go through and 
and the development we experience is valuable even if not to others to the self like you you are valuable in and of yourself to yourself yeah like i like again when I, once i got through a lot of the depression and everything else and learned to love myself fully all my different aspects i define my value um and created a value system within myself and how figuring out how wonderful i am and i don't need anyone else to affect that and but beyond and my accomplishments are you know i've already accomplished more than most human beings have ever accomplished in their lives again if you want to compare you shouldn't compare mm -hmm. actually if you took if, if, you, if you don't if you don't take just the small bracket of our society in the last 20 30 years if you take the bracket of the whole world for the last mm. 20, 30,000 years, actually, I am more intelligent, I am more understanding than any previous generations. I understand more about my universe, the, you know, and most people do in this current time period. And if we compare that time scale, we're like, wow. So I'm so successful and I'm so lucky and I'm so fortunate. And again, it, like you say, it's perspective. If you perspective just now, and you know, there's people out there my age who have earned millions and achieved so much, they've got to climb up Everest and whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm not doing very well. But actually, if we widen the perspective or narrow it to just ourselves, those two different things, polarizations, can make a massive difference in our perspective. And I, again, I talked about earlier, I love children for how they perceive things mm -hmm. because um they sit there and they can wait like again the experiment where you you get one sweet you know we talked about before if you wait if you have have it now if you wait a minute you get two sweets mm -hmm. and most kids can't do it because again their perspective of time is just so like short and i think again in my perspective we should learn to be able to be that way and broader yeah. infinite so that when we need to be quick and achieve things and perceive things without time we can but when we need to be regimented in sort of time perspective um broader or narrower we can um but that's a very difficult thing to accomplish and um takes decades of i think training and experiencing life i think no matter how much you achieve in life you if you're doing it right, you will always see that there is more to do. There's always more progress to make. So I think it shouldn't matter so much what you have achieved, like what other people can see, but whether you're going in the right direction, whether you're, you well, know, are you happy? Yeah. Like, yeah. like um, I think, again, I think most things can be boiled down to that. Like, are you miserable or are you happy? Like, Again, we get you can go to the debate about what gives people happiness and what kind of tempting is happiness. I'm sure some people that are rich would argue like, oh, well, I'm happy. I've got everything I need mm. and, and I want and I can get one more. Um, but again, the issue is if all that was taken away, would they still be happy? That's, you know, that's the debate that goes on, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Can you be happy with nothing? Can you be happy with everything? Can you be happy with what's in between? And that's for me what I value. And I have learned to learn to be happy. And in any, well, I hope any circumstances, you know, things can change. Um, I think that's what these podcasts, I think, are personally all about for me anyway. Yeah. It's finding how it is possible to be happy under any circumstances. If you were to live forever, again, like if, if you were to suddenly have to go from being, understanding a mortal scenario and being passionate, let's say suddenly there was a cure for mortality, <laughs> cure, and we were all going to live forever psychologically there'd be a massive mess mm -hmm. like there would be a have to be a massive shift generational i think it takes that length of time to accept living forever um yeah i think it would be very difficult for people to just suddenly be like oh this isn't just gonna be for a little while like what do you, what do you think yeah uh I think that topic is too broad to get into right now, okay. um, but we should definitely talk another time about um, the implications or, the, or the, the theoretical consequences of never dying or, you know, yeah. being able to upload your consciousness into a machine. Yeah. How would that change life? Uh, but uh, finally, I want to talk about life after death or the belief in a life after death. 
and how that changes your perspective on death. Um, in the Mormon faith, we believe that everyone comes back to life, you know, that, that dying is merely a, a, a quick transition. Yeah. And that we all have a spirit with us, in us, or somehow correlated to our bodies that lives on, and that one day we will um, receive a body that is um, perfect, that is not malleable or invulnerable, and uh, will will never become weak and frail again. But what we do in this short lifetime in mortality uh, decides what our circumstances will be for eternity. And that's why we put so much emphasis on our behavior and our growth and progress in this short time. Um, how, how do you think people's beliefs about life after death changes their behavior? Yeah, it has a massive impact, doesn't it? Like, um, I think, again, it's individual, obviously, as always, but um, in terms of a, a group of people, depending on how they think and believe, yeah, can, can change what you think of and how you feel about death. Like, I, again, have been raised Mormon, left, I class myself as a recovering Mormon, but um, the idea and concept of life after death massively affects my psychology for how I treat life. I believe there'll be something else after death, whether it's what Mormons teach or if it's something similar or something completely different, I still believe that there is a existence, my consciousness, my values, my personality, my spirit, my soul, whatever you want to call it, will continue in some form. And that, to me, does make it easier. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people that I've spoken to in the past are like, oh, but you might be lying to yourself because what happens if mm -hmm. there is no nothing after death? And I'm like, well, what happens if there isn't? Like, I would rather delude myself <laughs> into thinking a positive scenario and giving me more courage and more hope in my life than going, actually, you know what? There's nothing after my life. Let's just carry on. I don't think it massively impacts things because those same people actually mm -hmm. do achieve amazing things. They continue on. They, it doesn't seem to affect them like negatively, uh, not believing in um, an afterlife. Um, but I think it, weirdly, I think it can affect you positively um, if you want to believe it. Kind of again, like a blanket safety thing. Um, Cause that's why I do it. I'm like, hey, like my psychology, there, again, it's all part and parcel of what I talked about earlier about getting rid of the fears of these things. It's part of the acceptance in a way because it gives me a positive outlook. Yeah. But when when I talk to someone who doesn't believe in life after death, I think that's that's fine. I yeah. I can't fully exclude that possibility. Um, yeah. If life ends, then okay, I, I should from time to time entertain that uh, possibility because uh, in the end, what I have is belief, not knowledge about there being yeah. a, a life after death. And I don't know a whole lot about what it might be like to live in this other uh, immortal uh, existence, but I have been brought up with the belief. So I wonder, do I instinctually have a belief that there is more after death because it's just impossible for me to fathom? Um, or is it uh, because of my upbringing and, and my culture? I once talked to an Iranian man who, uh, and this was in Turkey, so we were able to talk freely. <laughs> Turkey is one of the most um, modern Islamic countries. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah, in, in Iran, I have to pretend to be a believer. But right now I can talk freely with you and, and I can tell you that I'm atheist. I don't believe in anything like that. And so I said, oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad you can have that experience here. I think he was just on vacation like me. So I, I said, I believe I'm, I'm Christian and I believe that we 
can live on after life and that we can even be together with our family and have that same kind of relationship you know if we want to it's <laughs> some people would rather keep their distance from their family but in my case it's something i uh would enjoy and look forward to and then i said to him and i think that everyone would like that to be the case even if they don't believe in it and he said yeah that's that's me i i yeah. don't believe it's the case but i wouldn't mind it and i of thought course. isn't that interesting that must be is that a biological instinct or something that it's just impossible to think that what we are oh. doing now will someday be just over yeah <laughs> i i just i just love the diversity in post-death beliefs mm -hmm. like ranging from like mexico where and like that area where there are certain places that you literally you sit your dead grandma up and you visit her every day the body like mm -hmm. and you know decorate it's decorated and it's decomposing there like in in part like in your garden or whatever mm -hmm. um for you to go and see and visit like right there we bury you know some people cremate um different rituals vikings you know out on boats mm. um and also again and the beliefs of where you go you know go to, you go, if you're a good warrior you go to valhalla if you you know if you weren't then you won't and like all these different beliefs of what happens to you know both the physical and the uh potential consciousness um and how to respect that varies so dramatically from culture to culture like it's not as like i guess the desire for an afterlife is probably one of the most common themes mm -hmm. um but it's so different it's crazy it's amazing um i, I think we can learn a lot from each other by exchanging views on the afterlife yeah that's very interesting that you brought that up about Mexico. I, I hadn't heard that. I just know that they have a, a national holiday called the, the Day of I think, Death. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm not sure if it is Mexico. It's certain, certain places, um, I think, in that general area. It might just be subcultures that do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to work on myself to get rid of the fear of death just yeah. in, in totality. Because if it truly is the, the basic fear that all other fears reduce to, then that would be extremely liberating. And, and I am chipping away at it uh, little yeah. by little. Maybe that is the root of my, again, maybe that is the root of my, although I, I do find myself having less of a um, uh, self-preservation ability. Mm -hmm. So like, um, if, for example, there's something about a, a, a fight going out on the street or whatever, usually most people will avoid it, or if there's a confrontation, mm -hmm. most people avoid it. I will now most likely go headlong into it and just not care. I was like, if I get stabbed or if I get killed, whatever, but I choose to make sure I get involved in this scenario to help. With, in, with the intention of breaking it up, not to get hurt, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not to get hurt. Yeah, it's not, it's not yeah, sorry. Ooh, I'm violence. Like, yeah, woo. <laughs> uh, but no, just to, to, to help, to deal with it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, well, sometimes the violence is needed. So if, if, if mm -hmm. that person has a gun on someone, you need to diffuse that situation. I have less now a fear of going into that environment and just doing it. Like I had someone in front of me a few weeks ago to beat me up and I was just like, cool, come on, I don't <laughs> mind. Like I've been through worse, just bring it on. Yeah. It doesn't faze me. They were confused and just walked away. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I have to be very careful with these days again. Well, I should be more careful again and balance it and keep some level of self-preservation. But I just don't feel the anxiety about it anymore. And maybe again, maybe like you talked about, the root of that is that actually I don't fear death, so therefore I don't, um, so therefore I feel liberated, should I say. Yeah, then you're, you're able to choose and create the life that you would prefer. It's so sad yeah. to, to think how people are in abusive relationships at home or at work, and they just don't see any way out because they believe that they're dependent on the abuser for... Yeah nourishment or or i don't know what oh, it's so horrible yeah it's so horrible that again that fear i've seen it so many times where mostly women but also men have been stuck in abusive relationships and they're in there because they're dependent financially and circumstantially on that individual yeah that situation and there should be more help to again for liberation for freedom for them to be like no you can 
leave this scenario. Um, but again, I, I'm just fascinated by the fact you, you've come, like you've mentioned about it all coming back, all our fears and of losing stuff, the loss will look, link back all the way to death. That has given me a lot to think about. Um, all right. <laughs> yeah, it was a good chat. And again, there's a lot to be hopeful for. We could, you know, it could be a morbid topic, but I think, like all things, talking about it more helps. Like the discussion should yeah. be more uh, mainstream in society, and that's what, again, that's what we talked about at the start, bringing it full circle, is that by not talking about it, by not uh, helping people that are struggling with death by running away from it in our culture, we create more problems. Um, I think personally, for individuals anyway, maybe not as a culture as a group, but for individuals that have to suffer. Um, and hopefully, as a society, we I think we are getting better. Again, as all things we talked about, we are getting better. Like we talked about with the funerals, being more positive, mm -hmm. being more desiring to actually value life and not just mourn it. Yeah, thanks for discussing with me. Thank you. See you soon. Mm -hmm.